beat you over the head with our opinion. And we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio. Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. How are you this morning? And you're listening to the Voice America Women's Channel with Catherine Zox and Lauren Deller, my co-host. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. How are you? I'm fine. I'm snowed in in Baltimore. Oh, you're snowed in in Baltimore. Well, I'm, I'm nanny-less at the moment in Austin. All right, so you got the baby sitting on your lap. <laughs> <laughs> I always like it when you do because it's perfect for the women's channel. It is. Actually, she just pulled in, so she's just running. It's brand-new nanny running late. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. And, you know, it's always those one incidences that I, I don't want to say it because I'm going to put the kibosh on it, but, you know, that you'll remember this like three weeks from now. Of or course. Three months. Yeah, because... Yeah. She's going to be late, and so just put this in your little, where do you put this? Because it's going to show up later. Exactly right. Yeah, but you got to give her a shot, right? Give her uh, a chance. You try, you do try, yes. But yeah. you're snowed in, in Boston, you said. No, Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore. We are in Baltimore. Now I hear the Sierra. There's the baby. <laughs> Well, it's the holiday season. What else is new? Anyway, I just want to, we've got some good guests on the show today. Um, doesn't want to leave mommy, does she? We're gone now. <laughs> Did the transfer. It's hard, though. She's got the new nanny. Mom's on the on the radio. It's so tough. I know. It's yeah. a hard one. Anyway, focus. Yeah. All right. No, it's good. We need to talk about that because that's what, that's what, women who are listening. About. Yeah, that's what it is about, trying to balance that whole work balance thing, and it doesn't always balance. You know, correctly. But today we've got some good. Delighting the senses is our show today. We always delight the senses, you and I, but today we're delighting the senses with New York Times bestselling author Patricia Schultz. She's been on the show before, but she's written 1,000 Places to See in the U.S. and Canada Before You Die. So you have some time left. I love, I, I have this book. I love you? this book, yeah. She is so cool. And she's from Beacon, New York. She's from upstate New York and started traveling, I guess, when she was in college. And it's just taken off and written these wonderful books. And uh, she's written several, but this one is specifically U.S. and Canada. I have the other one, too, just 1,000 places to go before to see before you die. Uh-huh. And hopefully we do have a lot of time left. Before <laughs> I know. <laughs> Always a nice thought. Yeah, well, you have more than I do. And Diane... Rawson Worthington, she's a food writer consultant, James Beard award-winning broadcaster, trained at the London Cordon Bleu School, and her book is Seriously Simple Holiday Recipes and Ideas to Celebrate the Season. Uh, if you, her book is fantastic, it's beautiful, it's a great gift also to give away at the holiday season, but also, Lauren, she has these like wonderful recipes, and she just shows you and tells you and how to do it in very simple steps. That's all it is. The simpler we make it, the more fun it can be, I think. Yes, because if you don't do it simple, it's not fun. Exactly. I <laughs> agree. With the baby on your lap and the relatives in the uh, living exactly. room. Exactly. And your husband on the deck doing other things. <laughs> Actually gone off to Houston, so. Oh, he left. <laughs> After last show, he left. He, he's gone. 
Yeah, I had a lot of listeners say, you know, they really identified with what you said. But, you know, we're talking about the holiday season because there are always like these holiday tips, you know, how do you get through it? I mean, for some people it's wonderful or they won't even say if they have a problem, but they say they love the holidays and their kids are great, their spouse is great, their family is loving, they're healthy and they're in financially stable, so they don't need to listen to these holiday tips. But I had a few from Prevention Magazine. But before I do that, Tell, what, what is your? What would you say is the most difficult time for you at the holiday when you have all the family over for dinner or for or even to be staying for the weekend? What's the most difficult part? Yeah. I have to be honest. I have a. They come and do everything for me when it's my family. So that's so nice. But I mean, let's, then forget about your family. Cause that's <laughs> one of those. We don't want to hear about that. Nobody wants to hear how great your family is, how supportive your mother is, how perfect your kid is. It is true. Now, if it was... It makes everybody else feel bad. If it was a different side of the family, part of the family, and not that they're not good, they're good too. You know, I tend to be the... When it's, it's, quote, normal family, you know, that is not that... You bend over backwards, what can I do to help that that group? And not that everybody else is not. I think people want to be, but they don't know how to be, you know? And... uh, I'll tell you, I think the hardest part is having to think about feeding all those people. And, you know, the meals, not just the big main holiday meal, but all the other meals before and after. So it would be so nice if people, if guests are going to other people's house to chip in on those things. Right, so you're talking about it's all in the planning? Yeah. But some people have more serious problems than you do. Like what? Let me hear. <laughs> like this. Okay, with their own, and, and we're thinking more of your own Parents or your own family, your family of origin. You know, there's their family of origin, the, pe- the parents who. Of course, born. right? Yeah. And the family of procreation, which is the family that you created. Uh huh. But in those family of origin issues, and maybe it has more to do with when you go visit them rather than when they come to visit you. And all of those old issues come up. You're sitting there with your parents or parent, brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles. And the role that you had in the family when you grew up and some of the behaviors associated with that role. No, no, role, those, are, those are big issues. I agree yes. with that. And we yes. have, I have those too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, see, I, it, now you're being honest. Like you go back to your parents' house and you were the, you know, whatever it is, you had the role of being something that, you do, that you've, you've grown up since you're not the little girl anymore. No, um, but you continue to be treated as though you are, like you're the 40-year-old kid, you know. The 40-year-old kid, the little sister, the problem child, all over again. And, you just, you know, the minute you walk in the house, the minute you sit down for that, that dinner, that holiday dinner, you feel that way. And they begin to treat you that way. It's true. Yeah. So what do you do? This, this, it was, uh, there were just some really great how-to tips in this Prevention Magazine article. Uh, because things, once you do that, things go downhill from there and you can really enjoy the dinner. It's true, especially if you get, it's easy to get hung up on those. Yes, it is. And then you get fixated on it. It's true. And then you're looking at your spouse or your partner and saying, oh, we've got to get out of here. Well, one of the things you can do, though, they you can get out of there. You don't have to sit. If you just sort of leave the playing field, if, if your parents or your siblings start going after you, you can excuse yourself, go make a telephone call, tell them that you have to go out and take a walk. Just making a break from it so that it kind of changes everything and you can go back to it and then sit down and start over again. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It's yeah. like regroup, reground. Re- exactly, yeah. regroup and reground. And the other thing that they mentioned, Lauren, was, and I thought this was a great idea, was that when you're sitting down at the table and you're all grown up and you're successful, okay, you are the president of a company, Big Fish Nation, you bring your business cards with you and you pull them out as they're talking to you and teasing <laughs> you in the same way that they did when you were like 10 years old. 
take a look at your business card. This is who I am now. And if you really want to get brazen, pass it around. That's interesting. You know, it's funny because my sister says that I don't see her as the adult she is. And, you know, I'm like, well, act like it and maybe I'd see it, you know. <laughs> it's a vicious circle. How much younger is your sister? That, uh, how much younger is she? That she She's uh, only two and a half years younger, but she was always the baby, you know. So when you sit down, she's the baby, and you treat her like a baby, and she has to do something different to prove herself? Well, she says that I don't know who she is these days, so, you know, who knows? And she's probably right. I'm sure, well, because I don't see that. Uh, who, when do we ever get to see that other side? It's funny because there's two parts to this. When we go, quote, home for the holidays, we fall into the old roles. So we all go, we all, once one person goes into the old role, I think it's easy for everybody else to fall into it. I think you're right, and I think that one of the things that you have to do if you're aware of it, if you back out, if one person backs out, the family dynamics cannot be the same. And I think that, that's a, exactly right. It changes yes. everything. If one person changes, it, it's it's impossible for the dynamics to remain. Exactly. So yeah. you so be aware, and when you see that things are reverting back to. Uh, you know, 1985 or 1990, <laughs> then you have to be the one, if you want to change it, to to act differently. Well, pull out your business card. Exactly. Could, I yeah, like so. the business card idea. Isn't it's, that a good idea? Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And also, and, and also give yourself breaks. You don't have to sit there and listen all the time. As I said, go for a drive, take a walk, do those kinds of things. I thought that was a great suggestion. It's a great I like that. Yeah. And stop trying to change your parents because they're never going to change. It's true. They I hope are my mother's not are. listening. What? <laughs> I hope mine's not either. They oh, yeah. are who they are. They are who they are, and that's it. And then if you're really not feeling, you know, you may have the, here's another suggestion, and I thought this was a good one too, not necessarily related to the family, but if you go and maybe some you've had suffered some losses in your life, you may have lost your job or not got promoted or whatever the thing is, um, there are certain things that you can do to, you know, another one of the holiday tips from Prevention Magazine, which I think is a good one to make yourself feel better. And one, you know, giving to other people, obviously. I mean, good one, yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned that last week on Thanksgiving. You and Rob went and worked in a soup kitchen for Thanksgiving. And yeah, yeah. Th- that's going to make you feel good, right? It's a good one. Yeah. I, it's a really good one. Also, Lauren, this was another one, giving people or, or giving, making donations. But one of the suggestions was you don't have to give this big lump sum donation. Do it over time so that you feel, you know, give a, a small amount over time, over weeks, over months. So you'll have the continuous good feeling when you are giving your monies away or giving to charity or whatever you do in that arena. I think that's a great idea. It is a good idea. I, and I do think that it's helpful to see, like, where the money is going and what the money is being used for. So I, do, I think that's valuable to be able to give over a little smaller amounts over time and also maybe get in there and see how you can use the money yourself with that group somehow. For example, I know yesterday I was speaking to a client and she was going to donate money to a grocery store, you know, not to the grocery store, but to get so that they can buy food for the homeless. And I said, well, they, someone suggested, well, don't just donate the money. Go buy the food and deliver the food yourself, you know. That's a great suggestion. So it doesn't become something that's sort of very cognitive and you, it, it, you maybe you don't even get, writing a check doesn't exactly give it, you that. It doesn't. No, you have to be connected. Yeah, it's defi- I think it's definitely wise to to just get in there and see how the money is being used. Or sometimes, you know, I know another family that, you know, it's, um, 
with the, another what's the group I don't even know what it's called where you buy the toys and this particular family they've been doing this for 20 plus years and they don't just buy toys like one person doesn't just buy toys out of the family the whole family goes shopping for the toys and over the years it was like $100 worth of toys and now it's like $3,000 worth of toys they rent a van and the kids are in college now and they say don't don't do that excursion without me until I get home it's become this great big family event that's fantastic. And I they, love that. Yeah, yeah, and then the children grow up and they do it and they have more money to spend. Exactly. So, yeah. So it also enhances the relationships within the family. It totally does. So uh-huh. it's there's such a way to use the charity or the donations or the volunteer work as family bonding time. I think. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I, it's it's great. It's a that's a that serves a lot of different kinds of purposes and that's a great idea. And of course, if you start your kids young doing that, then they're going to grow up to be charitable charitable people, which is exactly. a good thing, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah, so you have to start with Sierra. So you have this I little know. person, this you have little... all this information, there's no excuse for her not turning out perfect. <laughs> what pressure that is. Except no that mistakes. her nanny didn't come today. <laughs> uh, she was five minutes, you know, five minutes is a big amount of time. Yeah. It's five true. minutes, and especially five minutes when you are five minutes on radio is like it's five. Huge. Uh, yeah. It's huge, absolutely. And five minutes in a coaching session is huge. Five minutes in an hour conference call is huge. You so know? what are you going to do? Because you do have to set her straight. Maybe you can't talk now, but I, I assume she's not in your studio. She's not. Tell the world. <laughs> well, I do think it's it's um, it needs to know that people need to understand the impact. Yeah. And I, I have to be sure she understands the impact. Yeah. First, and, right up front, it's important. And, you know, the other thing I was going to say, by the way, was just to back up one point about Sierra being perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you want to go back and I need to reiterate go back to that, that one. Okay, go ahead. What I, is it? I do think there's something we... The older, the, the, I'm in this older parent category. I actually started a meetup group for parents that started parenting over 35. And I do think, I was actually over 40. And um, I do think there's a special opportunity we have because we are more grounded in who we are and clear on how we want to, the, the values we want to pass on. I just think that we're more Older parents have more realistic expectations. Yeah. By the way, you and you can go to if you go to your website or there's a website to go to for older parents, ladies out there, or I guess men too, but 30 or 40 plus having children. Uh, there are these groups and these are national groups, aren't they? That you can join. There's national groups. There's local groups. There's all kinds. Yeah, and yeah. I, so it's a it's such. A, I do think that there's a huge group of us out there these days. And you know, there's still a lot of the, a lot of parents are in their 20s, and that's okay. It's what you know. That's actually there's pros and cons. But I do think there's something special about being able to do this role at yeah. 40. It's plus. just different, as you say. It's different. It's different when you have kids in your 20s, 30s, or 40s. Yeah. It's, so she may be perfect, but yeah. let's see. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll we'll have the opportunity to follow her. But we have to take a break right now. Coming up next is Patricia Schultz, author of. 1,000 Places to See Before You Die in the U.S. and Canada. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller, and you are listening to the Women's Channel on VoiceAmerica.com. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. I have three children. 
and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel channel radio that talks with you not at you voice america women's radio network you're listening to the Catherine zopp show on the voice america women's channel if you'd like to join our conversation this morning call now the toll-free number is 866-472-5788 that number again is 866-472-5788 you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, and you're listening to the Women's Channel with Lauren Beller, Catherine Zox, and joining us this morning is Patricia Schultz. She is author of 1,000 Places to See in the United States and Canada Before You Die. Hopefully you read her first book, which is fantastic, 1,000 Places to See Before You Die. And now we're going to celebrate uh, the U.S. and Canada. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Patricia. Hi. Thank you for having me on. Thanks. Yes. As always. I've had you on several times. I I love it. And I love it you wrote this new book focusing on North America. Why? Why did you decide to do U.S. and Canada? Uh, you know, the the first book, I am uh, elated to say, uh, did immediately and continues to do so, so remarkably well that we understood uh, really without a second thought that a um, there was a sequel there. There was a companion title, a second book. And really, once you do the first book, which is about world travel, where do you go after that if not to kind of do an about-face and come back home? Uh, this is my homeland, my heartland. It's the place I love the most that I know the best. And um, I think that with the numbers being somewhere around uh, 75 70% of Americans that don't hold passports, that there obviously is a real reason here, understandable to anyone who's seen anything of North America, that there's so much to see. And I think people don't quite understand the possibilities um, or the potential. I just came back from London two or three weeks ago, and my British friend said to me, you know, most of America thinks that the USA is all about New York, San Francisco, and Orlando. So here was my chance to fill in with an additional 997 other possibilities to remind people of what they've always wanted to see since they were six years old, or else, I think, to open their eyes to what they didn't even know about. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I think people, and maybe for whatever reasons, here in the United States, they are staying closer to home. I mean, I think they welcome this kind of book where you can travel very close to home, U.S., Canada, and you've got some really exotic places in both, in both the United States. <laughs> it's uh, true. You know, the, you think exotic and you think, you know, I don't know, either St. Bart's, Buenos Aires, or Madagascar, but we do have exotic and we do have awesome and we do have the majestic and we do have at the same time, the great, quintessentially all-American, little, humble, unheard of, off-the-beaten-path, great gems to fill in as well. Yes, share with us just one of those little gems, the off-the-beaten-path. Well, um, we went to uh, New Orleans, which, of course, is one of our great cities that we came this close to losing. And I uh, encourage everyone to support New Orleans because... Everything is up and running and flourishing and as wonderful as ever, the food, the music, the people. But for the first time, it was my fourth visit, we rented a car, jumped in the car, and went out to Cajun country, which people have kind of heard of, but it's amazing the number of people who have been to New Orleans and see no more than New Orleans. Yes. And they've heard of Cajun country, but they're not quite sure what that means or where yeah. it is. It's just minutes. You know, it's the whole swath of southern uh, from east to west or west to east, Louisiana, that can be minutes or an hour, an hour and a half, depending upon where you go outside of New Orleans. And it is this enclave of French-Canadian um, Acadians who were exiled in the 1700s and took refuge in this area that no one else wanted to farm at that time and have flourished and the Zydeco music and the Creole music and the festivals and the food and these people who still speak a dialect that is very much French-based, unintelligible to the average American, and of course they still they speak English as well. But um, it's this little community that is wonderfully hospitable and gracious and welcoming, and yet, you know, a, a great window to early history in America and a very unusual chapter in American history and if for nothing else the music the music, the music, the music that Zydekel music Patricia is so it gets you dancing <laughs> it gets you even if you're not a good dancer and I, I mean you're out there and you're there's a sensuality to it I know it's there. wonderful it's all very sultry and southern and these people are some of the nicest people I've met anywhere in America but in the same breath I have to say that I've met incredible people in America wherever you go I think the bottom line is that it really is all about interacting with the people I think we're pretty wonderful. <laughs> I think the American people are our national treasure. And then the destination itself is just more icing on our cake. I, I think one of the things also that you mentioned, and I, I think it's real important, just the whole concept of traveling. Sometimes people will say, well, why travel? You know, I, and, and I think that one of the things that you've said uh, is that once you travel, once you go somewhere, wherever it is, it changes you, and when you come back, you are a different person. You have a different perspective, even if you don't try. You know, I, it's inevitable. I mean, even if you go, you know, you're dragged along, uh, whether, you know, it's as a six-year-old and your parents throw you in the back seat, or if, you know, it's your uh, significant other who's got to go to this seminar and he kind of insists that you, you know, whatever. Sometimes even when you don't go willingly or with great um, anticipation, 
you kind of get into it and realize, you know, well, this isn't home. This is unusual. This isn't something I see or taste or experience or breathe back on the couch in my little bubble. And it does open you. And, you know, whether you expect it or not, it does change you. You're absolutely right. Superficially, profoundly, it doesn't matter. I think it's all good. I think it's all inspiring and educational. And sometimes you don't even realize it. And also sometimes it may be nothing more than just recharging and, you know, kind of breathing and getting a new, you know, breath, a new lease on life, a new perspective, a little bit of um it makes you a more interesting person. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. I think people who travel are more interesting, period. Amen. I think that's almost a given. It also gives you, and I think, and, and you've had a, obviously a lot of experience in this area, but do you think that Americans, maybe Canadians, but we'll stick to Americans, don't have a real sense of geography? <gasps> Oh, my gosh. I heard a statistic to this day still um, just knocks my socks off in the negative sense of the expression. I heard, and it was from a reputable source, and so I quote um, the numbers, although they may be exaggerated, that 30% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 33, so this is an age group that should know better, cannot locate America on a world map. So I'm thinking that something is grossly wrong. Either you, um, you know, slept through geography class in the seventh grade, as I did, or else you've never left your village gates and have no sense of what um, what awaits beyond, uh, you know, the next traffic light on Main Street. So um, it is our obligation to ourselves and our children and our parents. You know, maybe they've never traveled. And the more you don't travel, the more you don't travel. And it almost becomes an intimidating thing, I think. So grab somebody, you know, your best friend or the dog or your kids. And take. And it doesn't need to be expensive and it doesn't need to be two weeks. You know, it can be overnight. It can be a three-day weekend. And it's it's really, I think, astounding what is in our backyard, whether you're from the Midwest or the Pacific Northwest. In America, um, we have within driving distance some awesome things. Yeah. I, and I, the other thing, and you, you sort of touched on that, is that you can go away for short periods of time, long periods of time, but now there are more opportunities, like to see the places that you talk about in your book. You can do it budget travel, expensive. There are just a lot of different ways to do it in terms of how much money you're going to spend, women's trips. There is just, you know, there's just, I think, a proliferation of these kinds of things. So when you tell me that statistic, 18 to 30, and they can't look, uh, students or, or young adults, really, and can't locate America on the map. It's you know, I, I'm inexcusable. Um, I know, and I'm curious to know if it was ever um, explored the age group of 33 and <laughs> higher, because it's not, you know, an epidemic that you find in the young people alone. I just think Americans in general have a very limited, for whatever reason, um, sleeping through class, indifference, thinking that our nation is so vast as it is compared to 
you know, Lichtenstein, <laughs> which can sit in our back pocket, that maybe, you know, it's all here and you kind of don't need to know which direction Chicago is or where to find um, Texas or, you know, the size of Texas compared to Rhode Island. I'm always fascinated. I've always loved maps, you know, since I was a kid playing Risk and knowing that I could trade you know, South America for the Seychelles Islands. Um, it was always amazing to me the the idea of um, what the globe offered. You know, from far flung to here, um, just in. So we need to light that fire that you had, obviously, so that these eighteen to thirty year olds and above, but get out there and travel and don't become insulated and insular. And I think another thing is that when you do these and you take these excursions and trips and adventures that you're talking about and become more of an informed citizen, you make better decisions both politically and in terms of your family because you have a a greater, a broader scope from which to draw in terms of decision-making and making choices. It's true. It's, it's, you know, to me, um, I long ago heard and have always used the expression because it really drives home the fact that travel is a classroom without walls. And it is an education, and I I don't mean to reduce it to a kind of drudgery where, oh, here we go again, yet another national park with mom and dad, Um, because it's an enjoyment, and it's fun, and you learn in ways that you don't even realize are impacting you. And changing your take on things and people and thinking that all Southerners are the same or all Yankees are conservative or all Californians are tree huggers or, you know, all of these cliches that are so pathetic because somebody, you know, termed them or coined them in a moment of poor insight or unfounded insight and you try you know you break all these cliches or you toss them or you rethink them or you address them and sometimes you reconfirm them because cliches are often cliches for well, a the reason. first thing that they have to do is go out and buy your book that'll give them a <laughs> jump start because we have 30 seconds left so I want to mention the book the title of the book again 1000 places to see in the United States and Canada before you die and the author is Patricia Schultz. It's always great having you on the show. They can oh, go, thank you. yeah, and they can purchase the book at bookstores everywhere. Go online, purchase it at Amazon.com, and um, hope to see you on another trip. Would love to take a trip with you, Patricia. Yes. Well, uh, let me know when you're ready. Okay. I always am. <laughs> great. Have a great day. Thank you, and have a wonderful holiday. All right. Thank you. You too. You're listening to Catherine Zox, and it's VoiceAmerica.com, the women's channel. Coming up next is Diane Rawson Worthington, author of Seriously Simple Holidays, Recipes and Ideas to Celebrate the Season. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. 
Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you are listening to VoiceAmerica.com, the Women's Channel. And joining us this morning is Diane Rothen Worthington. She's author of Seriously Simple Holidays, Recipes and Ideas to Celebrate the Season. She's arrived here just in time. And she is, well, she was trained at the London Cordon Bleu, so she is the expert. She has these wonderful, entertaining recipes that she presents with style and grace, and they're also simple, and she takes you through them step by step. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Diane. Catherine, I'm pleased to be with you this Today. Well, I have to tell listeners that your book is beautiful. Just, Thank you. Yeah. Besides did getting a gorgeous job on it, and the uh, photographer uh, Noel Barnhurst, just the pictures you want to just you know grab them and eat them. Yeah, you want to <laughs> eat them. <laughs> you definitely do. I'm going through the book and I'm thinking, oh my god, these are great. I'd love to just. That's exactly. Yeah, the presentation is wonderful. But um, you know, everybody does, Diane. This is what you know you get a book like yours and it's beautiful and it looks wonderful and the first thing you think, oh, where can I find the ingredients and it's going to take too long to do it and I wish I could cook that way, but I can't. But not true. Not true at all. No, no, no. I mean, uh, this is actually, Catherine, my 18th cookbook that I've written. And my very first book I wrote was The Cuisine of California that defined new American cooking in the 80s. And it was about fresh ingredients and so forth and so on. But I was a stickler that everything had to come right from the you know, ground, and it had to be the freshest and the uh, uh, possible. And while I still believe that a lot of things have to be like that, I think that there's lots of wonderful shortcuts you can take now to make it possible for you to enjoy cooking without spending days and days and days in the kitchen. Can you take those shortcuts? Because I have that concern also. One of the things is, like, take the shortcuts, and I want you to kind of walk us through it, without compromising the dish. Give us an example of where, okay, you don't have to have, you know, the garden out there that have the very freshest ingredients. Well, I'll tell you, um, in my um, vegetable uh, section for vegetarians, I have a butternut squash lasagna. Now, you would think that would take days to make. But now, in, in many supermarkets and at Costco and at Trader Joe's, 
you can buy uh, peeled and seeded and cubed butternut squash. That just took, you know, an hour out of your time in the kitchen, peeling and going through all that. And then you buy uh, noodles that are, they're, I don't know if they're exactly pre-cooked, but you don't have to pre-cook them. You don't have to boil them and then let them sit and so forth. So basically you saute your butternut squash and you add some other ingredients and you make a white sauce and you have your shredded cheeses and you just assemble this. And it takes, you know, a quarter of the time that it would take to make a lasagna. Yeah, that's a one, that's a great, yeah, that's a wonderful tip and I, a, obviously a great uh, a great meal. Give us an example of another one. And also, are there different kinds of meals that you would cook for, say, five people? Or let's say, you know, this is the holiday season, so you're having 20 people for dinner, things that you shouldn't be cooking because it's going to take too long and it's going to stress you out? Well, I think there's a couple things. I think you need to, one of the first things you need to do is to decide what kind of an event you want to have. Do you want to have a party that is a sit-down dinner. Do you want to have a party that's a buffet? Because that will change what you're thinking about cooking. And um, are buffets easier? I mean, that. Oh, I think I only do buffets, honestly, unless I've got four to six people pops where I'll serve from the kitchen. I just, I, I, you know, why would you want to stress yourself when you're really sitting in the kitchen spooning out everything and making your each plate look gorgeous? Forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope everyone heard that. Forget it. You don't have to prove to your mother-in-law that you, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Now, there's another way. There's a couple of different ways that I talk about entertaining. And as I said, buffet, sit down, which is, you know, for four to six people, I think, unless you happen to have, you know, three waiters and a bartender hanging around. And um, then the other one is family style, which is that you put big, platters in the center of your table and let everybody help themselves, which is very cozy. You put your wine, you know, it's very pretty and and a cozy way to do it. And then the other uh, thing to think about is why not ask people to bring, do a potluck where you as the host um, are making the home beautiful and the table and doing all of that stuff, having the wine, having the main course, let's say, and then you ask people to bring whatever it is that you'd like them to bring. And that way you you ensure that you're not having a dessert dinner, you know? And why, why do you think, Diane, though, and I, I have so many friends who are in this position who, you know, it's the time of year, they want things special, and somehow they have this, they think that they have, that, you know, they have this grand vision or this great desire to entertain and that this is going to define who they are. You've got to get over that first, don't you? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I actually have my master's in counseling, and I think it comes in handy when you're in the cook, talking to people about cooking because I, there are people that truly, Catherine, have party anxiety. I mean, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> party anxiety where they think that if they don't, you know, make this perfect, their failure. This is a true reflection on who they are, you know? So and how do you get over it? Anxiety just takes over so that they can't even, you know, they, they don't even know how to think about it. So they really have to think ahead and plan even more and make sure that they do dishes that they are familiar with. Don't start making lots of new, new things that you really aren't comfortable with, to you know, to show off if you haven't tried them, if you're that kind of a person. I think the other thing is, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that, that uh, party anxiety. I have a friend who has just that. Yeah. And, she, and, she, and Diane, she calls me 
three weeks ahead of time, she's so upset, she's so afraid, she's so anxious, she's so stressed out, and I'm thinking, why are you having this party? Right. <laughs> this is not a party. Party's the wrong word. Make make reservations and take them out to dinner if you can't take, handle it. No, but them. I mean, really, simplify, simplify, simplify. And I think that the key is to make up your dishes, make up your menu ahead of time. For For people during the holidays, you've got the shopping, you've got the family stress, which, you know, that could be a whole other hour of discussion. (laughs) But why not really take a couple of things that you can tackle, feel comfortable with, and present? I mean, I have a baked pasta in here that uses a bottled great marinara sauce, you know, um, peppers that have, uh, sweet bell peppers that have already been, you know, that are bottled that you rinse. And some sausage and some, you can add some mushrooms and it, it, it is such a showstopper. People call me from all over the country to say, I can't even believe that I could make this dish. And 20 year olds and 70 year olds, you know, that I can make this dish. People just go nuts. They think this is the best thing. And you can make it two days ahead so you, your anxiety will be that much less. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about tips for first time, you know, first time I'm going to say chefs or yeah, first-time first home cooks who are who are making dinner for the family. You want again, you want to simplify. Don't make too many dishes. I used to be the cookbook editor of Bon Appetit, and I remember going up to Bon Appetit magazine, and I used to remember going up to the uh, magazine staff because I was in the book division, and I would say, "Okay, we're going to do a book on buffets, and we can do three or maybe four things." And they would say, "What are you talking about? A buffet has to be like at least ten things." Wrong. You need to pick good a couple of things that you can tackle and handle. And, you know, all I can say is after writing 18 cookbooks, the biggest compliment I get is that people will say, I can cook your food and you, your instructions are so clear that I can't make a mistake. So simple, stress-free. Two more things. What about freezing? Is it okay to make it and then of freeze course. it? Of course. It depends on what it is, obviously. <laughs> like the butternut squash lasagna you can freeze. You can freeze the pasta. Casserole. Now, I make my stock. If people, you know, a lot of people do basically Thanksgiving dinner for Christmas, and um, I make my stock up, uh, you know, weeks ahead. It, it, it's so easy with a, with some, you know, turkey necks and brown them and add some turkey uh, chicken stock to it, and then I freeze that when I'm going to make my gravy. And if you're making turkey, you can make your gravy three days ahead, and then just add the drippings at the last minute, which takes so much stress off of people that don't know how to make gravy. So plan ahead. Plan ahead. And the other thing is if you've got lots of people to entertain, double up on what you're cooking and do two different parties so you don't have to have as big a party. What about presentation? How important is presentation? Well, I think presentation, first of all, it doesn't have to be overly done. I think simplicity is the most beautiful uh, way to do it. And that means a couple of tips. If you're cooking something that has an herb in it, Use that herb, chop up a little bit of extra of the herb, and put it on top because it's a hint of what's to come in the dish. And if all else fails, just have lots of chopped fresh Italian parsley, which is the flat leaf parsley. I like it a little better than the curly parsley. The leaves, just chop it and keep it in a little uh, Pyrex or whatever, and then you just sprinkle it over everything and it looks gorgeous. White plates, white platters, I prefer because you don't want to see a lot of stuff underneath. You want the dish to shine. I think that's great advice and a great tip because I think that's a, a pitfall. I've been to many dinner parties where 
the dishes themselves have so much stuff you can't see the food. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I mean, you know, use those for uh, accent pieces, uh, you know, on your coffee table. But really, they a white platter and white plates are what I recommend. Now, what about wine? And, well, you know, I'm so pleased because in this book I had Peter Marks, who's a master sommelier. There's only a few of those in the country. There were ten at the time. And he took each one of my dishes and he uh, matched wines. And he did it very thoughtfully. And I think that that is such a stress out for people who don't know about wine and feel like they have to, you know, they want to have something that really works with what they're cooking. So either... You know, check out my book or go to <laughs> Definitely a Definitely check out store. your book. And you do. You make your book a one-stop shopping. I mean, yes. That's in terms the plan. Of you want to yeah. have your pantry. I give you lots of ideas for things to keep in your pantry. And particularly during the holidays, Catherine, I have, uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep things like candy canes. Because the other night um, somebody came for dinner, and in my book I have a chocolate peppermint molten chocolate little, you know, those little cakes. Uh, that are kind of molten in the center where the sauce, the chocolate kind of melts out, and you put uh, candy canes all around it. So you want to have something like that. You want to have dried fruits for your stuffings, for your, you know, uh, let's say you're making different kinds of desserts that use dried fruits. And you want to have, um, obviously, I use unsalted butter, and I just keep it in the freezer because it'll stay for, you know, six months to a year. And we have, um, we have 30 seconds left, and I want to make sure that everyone, Diane, knows, obviously, they can buy your book online, Amazon.com. Yes, Amazon.com. Yes. Amazon. It's also a crate and barrel everywhere across the country. Fantastic. A great book. Uh, yeah, I recommend it highly. Wonderful book, and as I said, it's a one-stop shopping, and that whole idea of pairing the wine with the food, great idea. Yeah, thank you so much, Catherine. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. You too. Have a great free. holiday. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you. Diane Ross. Worthington, Seriously Simple Holidays, Recipes and Ideas to Celebrate the Season. You're listening to The Catherine Zock Show on the Women's Channel on VoiceAmerica.com. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Tired of those fad diets and exercise routines that you don't stick with? Want to find a better way to incinerate fat and energize your life without those worthless pills or gimmicks? Then tune in every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific to Fitness Truth with host Zach Hunt and A.J. Roberts. Achieve your weight loss and fitness goals and maintain them for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. That's Fitness Truth, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Did you know your child's asthma attacks can be triggered by things like shower curtains, a blanket, even a teddy bear? I feel like I'm choking. And there are many other things in your home and your child's classroom you may not know about. For the latest information, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Sometimes I, my parents have to take me to the hospital. Help prevent your child's asthma attacks and avoid the emergency room. 
Call toll-free 1-866-NOAH-TAX. That's 1-866-662-8822. Or visit www.noatax.org. I don't want to feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Let's face it, hormones happen. Whether you're a male or female, hormones have an impact on your overall well-being. Dr. Hart brings to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel timely topics that answer your lifelong questions about hormones in men, women, and teens. Tune in to Optimal Wellness every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Optimal Wellness. Live life well. Live life long. Live life to the fullest. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zock, your social worker with a microphone, and you are listening to The Catherine Zock Show on Voice America, the women's channel. Welcome back. Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller. Well, Lauren, I think uh, people have, uh, listeners have, should be taking notes this morning. We have had <laughs> such a lot of great advice. Taking um, notes, and I was thinking about the two together, travel and eat. There's, what's the two best things? Delighting the Senses. That's the title <laughs> of the show. Isn't that a great title? It's a great title. Yeah. Delighting the senses, and you know you can do it at any age. For both of these, we're saying you know you can like whether you're twenty to eighty. It doesn't you know there's something for everybody. Definitely for and both of these. Now it's interesting that Diane has a master's degree in counseling. I just thought that was very. I knew you were going to pick up on that. <laughs> I knew it. Yes, because so do I. And one of the things that surrounds food, there are always issues, I mean, how you prepare the food, who you do it with, how much people eat, if the host or the mother is trying to force food on her kids, their children, all food has a lot of, of um, behavioral, psychological dynamics attached to it. It definitely does. It? In every family. In every family. How you, it, one of the things that they told us in when I was getting my master's degree in social work, and this is a family therapy course. Do you have a master's degree in social work? I mean, in the counseling? No, I have a master's degree. I have a um, bachelor's in psychology and biology and a master's in health education. So, no, not really. But the so, you're on the cross border, yes, but we'll give you credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, 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 this was in a family therapy, and one of the, and he was the guru of family therapists. I think he has since died. Max Zipporin was or is his name, and you can go online and Google him if you're interested. But one of the things that in, in the classroom that we were told is, you can sit down with a client for six to eight weeks and get information and, and, you know, go through the counseling process. But if you go to a client's house, which people don't do now, or, or social workers or therapists usually anyway, and have a meal with them, you will understand the family dynamics That's after exactly having right. one hour of a meal with them. But, you know, sit down at the dinner table one evening with the whole family there, and the whole family dynamics will play itself out. It's totally true, and I have to add to that. When I was in doing um, sales, technology sales for my old company, I could tell you in a moment if it was a family business I was selling to based on the dynamics around the boardroom table. 
Interesting. That's very similar. It's exactly the same. Yes. And he was, and I, as soon as I could tell that it was more like a casual, it was something about it that was more casual. It felt like a dinner table. I knew right away there was people in the room that were, were related. So, in other words, it says something about interacting with people and having to do face-to-face uh, business. It definitely does. You know, because you and I often talk about how you can do business in the comfort of your own home or office, which you can. Absolutely. And you can do a lot of business-to-business on the net, but there is something to be said about actually meeting with someone either in an office situation or or for lunch or, or whatever. It does make a difference. You get a real in, you get insight into the way people interact with other people. If you go to have a business lunch with somebody, and I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this, and uh, let's say it's a man and you sit down with him and the way he interacts with you, how he treats the waiter, what kind of a tip he gives. Um, so true. says a lot about the kind of, business person he is, the kind of man he is. It works the same way. I, I, I say man to woman, but I think it's the same way also, you know, even with another woman. You know, if someone's on their cell phone half the time while you are having lunch, what does that say? How important is this to them? There are just so many things, and it doesn't take very long to determine that. It's, it is immediate. I mean, within five, an hour is a great amount of time, but in five minutes you know that you can tell what people are like because of how they interact around. People sort of, um, it's their comfort, you know, in front of food and interacting that way. It's interesting. Yeah, and I, I think, the, and, and, and you also see people, and I'm bringing this up again, but you'll see, if you have lunch with somebody, with somebody you plan to do business with, really pay close attention not only how they interact with you, but how they interact with everybody with else, from the, from the hostess or the, the head waiter or the wait staff or, or who, whomever else, you know, is in the, in the restaurant or in the environment. That makes a big difference. It does. Yeah. It totally does. Yeah, so, uh, well, now, I want to just get... Back to holiday dinners. <laughs> um, <laughs> you are so funny. I have to. Be, I have to watch you lately. I have to stay on my toes. Like, what is she trying to get out about me? I have to turn the tables on you one of these days. Well, you can do it. I'm, I'm <laughs> just go at it. You can. I am prepared. I know you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start doing it. So be careful. That's fine. Um, but at least you warned me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm nice. Yeah, family dinners. Well, but you already were doing one of the things that Diane mentioned. You said that you do have other people and see you are doing the right thing. You don't get totally stressed. I mean, you're in business, you have a new baby, all of those kinds of things. So you do have other people help, and you're not one of these people who everything has to be, the holiday dinner, everything has to be made by you, and it defines who you are. No way. No way. Helping hand is always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but then, don't you find, Lauren, you also, in, we have to take that a step further, um, because I do the same thing, but then sometimes relinquishing and letting go, you know, maybe my sister-in-law's casserole isn't quite as good as mine, and yet everyone's going to be sitting at my dinner table, so I don't want her casserole to represent my cooking. Oh, you are so funny. <laughs> I just make a point to say who made what to give everybody credit for what they've created. <laughs> so you put a name on it. I didn't make this. No, I don't do it like that. I just will make a point of thank you for your contribution of this, or, you know, and thank you so-and-so for your contribution of that. So people know, because what if it's delicious and people want to know, you know, that I don't want to take credit for the great stuff either. I would want to take credit for the great stuff. Oh, no, I wouldn't. So I only funny. like to, no. I only want to take credit for what I do. You're right. Yeah. But you do have to kind of get over that because it isn't. There is something to that. It's like delegating authority in a business. Exactly right. And you have to take the good with the bad. Yeah. So when you're doing your holiday dinners, 
ladies, you do have to keep that in mind and you kind of let go and you know you're you're the the chef or you're the chief you are the uh, you have all these little sous chefs but you are the you are the chef so uh but i think that whole dynamic does come into play and what about your well you haven't reached this stage yet i used to be at the stage where my kids wanted to cook and they and i wanted them to do it and to learn and to experience it but at the same time i didn't want them to be to ruin my meal. <laughs> That's but, funny. I'm yeah. not at that stage yet. Sierra does like to break the eggs into, you know, pancake mix and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I let her do it. Yeah, you, you need to, and I think it's real important and to kind of get over that too. Um, okay, so they make something for the holiday dinner, and then you say that... They did them, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my two-year-old did it. And by the way, since we have one minute left, how is she doing with the nanny? And if, for those of you who are just joining us, at the beginning of the show, Lauren was sitting with the baby on the lap waiting for the nanny to come. And The new yeah, nanny. The new nanny. This the new the nanny. the first week of the new nanny. So, you know, it's interesting to pass her off to someone she hardly knows. But she's fine. She's off and running. She went to her. She went to Jim Marie class, so she's gone. So she did well. Yes, it was just a moment of, no, no, I don't want to go. All right. You know, she's a very easy baby. Yeah, and you have no choice. And sometimes in those situations, I used to say to the boys, you have no choice. I love you. I'll be here. And goodbye. Exactly. (laughs) There is no choice. And there is no choice. And we have to say goodbye. Well, thank you. What a great day. It was a great day. Have a good week, and I'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Catherine Zox, Lauren Deller, my co-host, VoiceAmerica.com, the Women's Channel. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Thursday.